Welcome to episode 7 of the Elam Missions podcast. I'm your host, Jack Skett, the communications and content creator for Elam Missions. We're here to tell the stories of what God is doing around the world through our missionaries and global partners as we partner with the Spirit in the renewal of all things. Hey, you know, we're halfway through season one of the podcast right now, and I hope that you've been enjoying it. Uh, Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to just shout out to a couple of commenters uh, who've uh, written to us on our social media. Keith Jackson sent us a tweet uh, a few weeks back uh, about how much he's enjoying the podcast. He says, I have it on in my car, just a joy to hear the heart of our missionaries. And that's wonderful to hear. Thank you so much, Keith. Where are you guys listening to us? Are you in the car? Are you out on a run? Are you just doing the chores around your house? Let us know in a comment on one of our social media channels. We'd love to hear from you. John and Rachel McDonough have commented on episode three with Tim and Ali Robinson. They say, these are excellent. And yes, please, would love you to itch that Bible nerdiness and speak more RE linguistics, the Bible and communicating God's word. So glad that you guys are enjoying the episodes that we're putting out there and let us know if there's any topics you'd like us to cover in a future episode anything that you're particularly interested in hearing about our missionaries and partners have such a wide range of experience Uh, so chances are there's somebody that we can bring in to speak into the topic that you're really wanting to hear about and thank you so much for those comments do keep them coming in on our social media listen at the end to find out how you can continue to do that but let me ask you this have you ever wondered what you need in order to plant a church. In today's episode, I'm talking to Steve Kempton, who's a former Elam missionary. He now serves as a a pastor here in the UK. While he was a missionary in Nepal, Steve and a couple of other people began a church planting movement that has seen over 200 churches planted across Nepal and other surrounding nations in the last 10 years. Let's find out more about what happened there and how that all came about in my interview with Steve Kempton. So, Steve, thank you so much for joining us on the Elon Missions podcast. It's great to see you this morning. How are you doing? Yeah, doing good. Uh, uh, really excited about just having a few moments just to share about, obviously, some some great things that are happening in the world. Yeah. Uh, so people listening may not be aware of who you are uh, and your background. Maybe just tell us a bit about kind of where you're based now and uh, what's your background with missions as well. Uh, based now in Western Supermare, been here at the local church for nearly 10 years, um, uh, but originally from Sheffield, um, got saved in the Sheffield Elim Church. And um, uh, and really, my story of mission starts there when I when I first read uh, a little magazine called the National Geographic about um, a country called Tibet. And that that started the formation of um, what became a mission calling, you know, and um, and and that's where the 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 journey started. And so from that time, uh, ever since uh, going to Bible College, uh, and then becoming a, an a assistant minister in Derby back in the nineties, um, I have been involved in mission. I have been um, on the edge of mission. I've been on missions. I've led mission teams, and then the journey uh, all the way through those years to eventually uh, going onto the field, uh, you know, and actually. Um, uh, being there personally, um, because there's only so many teams you can go on. Uh, but if you're going to be really effective, you, you you need to you need to probably go. Um, and so that's where we came to a conclusion as a family that we went. And so we were in Nepal, uh, and then since then have served in many other places as well with regards to uh, working alongside other 
men and women who have a desire to church plant and to work with them to uh, encourage that and to train and equip. Uh, and so that's what we're still doing to this current day. Yeah. Wow. So long history of missions then. And I think it's one of those things where so many people who end up going on the mission field long term have prior to that done a lot of short term trips and been involved with connected with missionaries in the field. So just take us back to that that time when you were preparing to go long term to Nepal and you had a family that you're taking with you as well. What was that process like of preparing together to to relocate to the other side of the world and start something new with Jesus? Well, that's a really good question, um, uh, because obviously um, missions had kind of percolated in my heart. Uh, got married, percolated in our heart for many years. And sometimes you can think that you're going on the mission field immediately. But God has to do some work in you and prepare you and hone you in your mind and in your heart. And um, uh, I was in Gloucester at the time. And um, when we knew that we had to go and in fact, uh, it was as I approached the front door of the church man's. And I turned the key. I'd looked on the, I'd looked on the front of the drive and saw, got two cars. It was a lovely house. Things were going well in the church. And God said, "Now's the time." <laughs> and it kind of was not so much convenient. It was always in my heart, mm. but at that point, I just thought, you know, um, I got a child, you know, who was four. One was six, and they just uh, one hadn't started school. So it was like a busy time. And it was at that moment that we and you know we came to the conclusion that it was the right time. Why? Um, because we we understood that there are moments where you can carry something, and then there's a moment that you've got to go. And and that when when is that moment? You know, you can you can think and you can pray, you can prepare, but then there comes a moment when you know you have to obey, uh, and and that that's an obedience, regardless. And 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 it doesn't make sense to anybody else. Why would you take your children? Why would you? They're just about to start. Things are going well in church, but you're going. This is when it doesn't make sense sometimes to those who are not in it. You have to do what you have the conviction to do. And so that's what we did. We launched out and we went to Nepal. We didn't know anyone, particularly in Nepal. We didn't know what the schooling was going to be like. We didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know the language. Um, and so that's the cauldron that we, you know, uh, placed ourselves in. So that's that was the journey of, you know, 20 years of preparation, which I didn't say, I can honestly say, I don't think I wanted 20 years. I, I'd have gone the next day back then but then how god molded and shaped and the timing that who we met in nepal and how things unfolded you go hey god's been on this for a long time and he's and he's been working things out from way in the distance you know and so sometimes you can go too early sometimes you you don't go at all when you should have gone and it's trying to gauge and understand when's the right moment and so that was the right moment for us and so we we launched i suppose that's part of a challenge of uh of hearing the voice of God and discerning the will of God in your life is knowing uh, when is the right time. And it's, and it's really interesting and helpful that you've said that about your preparation, because other missionaries I've spoken to on the podcast have said similar, that actually preparation for them didn't begin with doing the missionary academy or approaching Elam missions to say, I, I feel like God's calling me to the nations. It's something that's birthed in your heart perhaps years before and worked you know god works on your heart while you're doing other things that he's also called you to do um yeah it's it's not just a you know you hear the voice and you go immediately although sometimes it might be that way for some people i suppose 
some people I, I i don't know how other people see this the, the call the call to the mission field is not a voice it's a verse you know and it's what you choose to do with that verse what is your mission field go into your workplace go into your community go into your road go into all the nations it's a verse so yeah. we think sometimes we're waiting for this god never told me of course he's told us he's told us in black and white it's choosing to understand what am i going to do with what we already know and sometimes some people want to know the specifics and when we're not even really involving ourselves in the general why should god reveal the specifics if we're not already willing to do what he's already told us to do so if we're not already obedient to do what's in black and white love your neighbors love go into all the world witness to people we're not already doing that why 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 are we waiting for a specific call when we're not even willing to do what the book tells us to do already so i i understood it as you know that verse was came to a place where god said to us very clearly now, now's the time to because I was doing mission locally, I was doing mission with my neighbors and all of those things. You work, you're walking in obedience. And then the specific moment came when, you know, you feel that sense in your heart and timing. Um, no one else might feel, but you have to be, you have to be um, brave and you have to be courageous. And some people would say uh, that you, you might seem foolhardy. Uh, you know, it doesn't make sense. When did it ever make sense to, to follow the call of God in, in fiscal terms or in career terms or in this terms. It's, it's not about that. There's something higher. There's something beyond all of that stuff. Important as it may be, the importance is looking back and saying, I did what God asked me to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so true. I remember preaching on it was something relating to being a missionary disciple of Christ, where you are. Uh, I'm a bit one of the older fellas in our congregation thought he was quietly talking to his friend next to him and you know sometimes the the, the quiet com little comment comes through and uh, i heard it from the platform he's saying yeah it's all well and good but we need to be sent i thought you have been pal <laughs> you have been sent we've all been sent it's like you say we we spend so much of our our christian life waiting for a specific go to this place and do this thing uh, and that can come but actually, until that comes, we all have the Great Commission to make disciples where you are, to follow Jesus where you are. So you found yourselves in Kathmandu, mm. two young kids, no Nepali language between you. Uh, what did God do in those early months and years? How did you begin to get embedded? And uh, what was that like establishing something there? Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was. Um it was multifaceted really there's lots going on in your head and in your mind and in your spirit and in your heart as a father you know as a as as someone who's called you have maybe you're carrying out you know this is what i'm here to do and then again it doesn't always work out you 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 go expecting this and that happens instead there's the unexpected the unknown um and so yeah we landed there you know uh at night in the dark in a power cut um you know uh, literally in in a dark little room where we had we had to shove all the beds together there was four of us you know and we ended up living next to a uh the zoo uh so uh, so the zoo had all kinds of sounds coming from it that my kids didn't even know that you know what was that you know the sounds <laughs> of animals and birds and so it was it was um was it a shock it, it, it was certainly um it was certainly an adventure you know in those early days uh, and for me personally, it was more of a case of um, 
um, almost the grieving because I wasn't known by anyone. Here, I was the pastor of a church. I was the leader. There, I was just a guy. Yeah, you know, and so I'd lost my identity. Didn't think I had an identity. Didn't think I had an ego to lose. I thought I didn't work like that. You know, people know who I am. No one cared who I was. No one was bothered about who I was. And suddenly, I was trying to find who I was, which really helped me uh, to reestablish my understanding. You know, who I was in God, and and how that molded and shaped me from that point. So I had to. It was, it, I was forced to abandon stuff in order to take on new stuff, which was painful, but actually was really incredibly beneficial long-term wise, because then I didn't need to be affirmed by other people because there was no one there to affirm it. I didn't need to, to show that I could do this or that because God would accepted me as I was. And it's almost as if I got a, a Jeremiah 18 moment where he said, now I've got you on the wheel. Now, 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 now I'm going to mold you and shape you in the potter's house, you know, um, and then we started the journey of getting the kids into a school and learning language and going through all of that, but doing it very much on our on our own um, and making it up as we went. Um, uh, and and as one day went into the next, you meet people who then allowed you to then to connect with other people. And so that's it. You have to be in that in order for that to unfold. You can't do that sat back here. You have to be in it to to understand how God's beginning to use his wiring to connect things and open things and so that that was extraordinarily exciting uh, but at the time you didn't quite know how going here would open that door and that door would open this door and you've got you've got to you've got to walk the walk you've got to you've got to do it in order to 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 um to 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 journey and to to to, to see god do what he wants to do and uh, so that was that was yeah it was a mind bender and it was for the kids you know four and six that's where they first went to school uh nepalese you know learning it in a third world country in a place that was loud messy noisy you know sensually you know overload sensory overload and all of those kind of things but god is faithful he called us and so sometimes you first year what was our vision survive (laughs) survive that was it and you go you get people back home saying, have you seen any converts yet? And I used to think, yeah, it's quite ironic, isn't it? Because, you know, you're 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 in a culture where you know the language, you know where you are, you know everything. And if I ask you the same question, how many people have you seen saved this week in your own language, in your own culture? The answer is none. Yeah. You know, and it's amazing because now you're trying to, you know, justify maybe even at the very beginning, oh, I am there and this, that, the other. But what, what about on the other side? What what have we been doing? Not what am I doing? What are you doing where you are? Also, yeah. yes, what am I doing where I am? But then, you know, it's a, just a really interesting kind of um, two different worlds. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how, although we know instant success is never a thing, and, you know, beyond, you know, breakouts of revival, but even those don't come except off the back of periods of prayer and fasting and, and devotion to the Lord, but, we still seem to expect it from people and especially from missionaries arriving in a new context. You're going to land and immediately revival will break out just simply by virtue of you being there, which is ludicrous, isn't it? <laughs> it's a false expectation. There's no doubt. Yeah. So survival for that first period of time, it's, it's a worthy goal, isn't it? Because if you don't survive your first year, then you're of no use to the kingdom going beyond that. Uh, but then, of course, God brought people into your life in that area who who you were able to partner with. Uh, 
Yeah. And so um, how did you begin to see that sort of working out and God beginning to move through those relationships? What was what was happening then in those moments with those people? Well, that, that that's the when I say it's the fun part. It's the you know how how God connects things and and then standing back thinking, you know, how did you how did you do that? So, I you know we landed you know in Nepal and you know six months prior to that, um, you know one of Elim's partners, um, a gentleman that I, I I'd known in in the UK briefly, he was going back six months beforehand. You know. If I'd have gone 20 years earlier, I'd never have met him, or 10 years earlier, or five, or two, it wouldn't have happened. But the, the timing is that we both ended up, he was going back to his homeland, because God called him back to his own people. He lived here, could have had a lovely life here. But he went back to his, because he had the call of God. I had the call of God. And then it was in that, suddenly we crossed paths. You can't textbook that. You can't read that. You, that, that you can't organize that. Those are the things that unfold you know, through obedience that God brings timings together that we then cross paths. Where did we meet? We met in Nepal as I was at a cash point getting money out and he was stood behind me. Wow. And I went, oh, and that's when we started. You can't, you can't conjure that up. No. That's, that's kind of, we're in the middle of a third world capital with 3 million people. We're stood at the same cash point. You've got to either be dull of hearing or you've got to go, think we need to start talking you and i so we did and that's where we formulated a journey and where where our hearts were knit together because we had a kindred spirit we, we went back to do the same thing we had the same heart we had the same mind um, and that was breathtakingly kind of amazing of god to even allow us to 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 be there together at that time and so that's where we formed um, what is now a lifelong friendship that will continue to the day we go to heaven. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? The way that the Lord works to bring people together at exactly the right time uh, in the right place. I I never knew that. The cash point in Kathmandu, that's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, you've got to laugh sometimes at the way that God works. Cause, oh, like bizarre. Said, we wouldn't make Bonkers. it up that way. <laughs> Bonkers. So between you and, and uh, for those listening, you might be wondering why we're not saying the name of this partner. Um, he's, he's somebody who he sometimes works in sensitive areas, so we don't use his name in public. Um, uh, so we'll, we'll kind of awkwardly segue around using his name throughout the conversation. Um, you began something together, didn't you, as you just opened the scriptures. Uh, how did God begin to show you, I don't want to use the term, I don't have a better word than method, really, but a method for church planting uh, that has that you've then used throughout the region. Um, yeah, the, 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 the method came later. It was more of a forging and uh, and in, 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 in that kind of fire situation where we where, where we began to journey together. I certainly we, we, we were in a little hired room uh, that uh, that uh, this 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 guy had hired, which had two plastic garden chairs and nothing in it. And, uh, that was it. There was me and him sat in the garden chairs in, in his little office. And he looked at me and I looked at him and we kind of looked at each other and basically said, so what are we going to do? What does this look like? Where, 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 where do we begin? You know, I'm here, you know, trying to uh, learn language. You're here amongst your own. Isn't that amazing? You know, that he knew what was there with regards to the language, this, that, the other. He's from there. Uh, and, and, and then suddenly God's bringing our skills together. 
but what he had, uh, which is incredible abilities to to have, to have, you know, with what I had, there was then this merging together of ideas and heart and mind to be able to 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 have a go at something, and then you know you bring into these kind of um, situations all that you know, and then when you arrive at all that you know is not gonna is not gonna work where you are because you're molded, and I was molded by a Western. UK-based understanding of church, which doesn't work. I'm going to say church planting always works wherever, but when you bring with it your your understanding of a culture, you're not in that culture, so therefore you have to unlearn. And so that, that first few months is all about not learning new things because you don't think you need to learn because you think you're carrying a lot, but what you've got doesn't work. So therefore you have to go through another process of, well, my word, I'm de-skilled. Or I'm D kind of, you know, um, you know, church planted because what I thought maybe would work, you know, wasn't going to work as effectively as obviously what we came up with. So I had to, we had to go through an unlearning. And so we 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 started initially with a with an approach that we would call an additional approach. You know, we, we've got to add people, we've got to add, you know, this additional, you know, go and go and go 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 to places uh, and and you know start a church work hard grapple and so um and we did that and um you, and after after a couple of years we'd we'd seen fantastically we'd seen four churches established but man it was hard work hmm. and 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 we came to the conclusion we could continue to do that or we had a retreat or I would call it an advance where we disappeared for a few days and we had a strategic meeting now with another gentleman who joined us because he'd been attracted by what, what God was doing. And he had an idea that he, you know, got a call to him. He was an Australian fella. So there were three of us now, again, God bringing him in at that time, fabulous um, kind of um, kind of organizer he was. And we came up with this, um, you know, uh, moving from an additional model to a multiplication model we'd used uh, other resources we brought other resources in we were reading a lot and so we 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 came to we came to arrive at something that was called um four fields based on a scripture it's not a methodology in that sense it's just a scripture mark mark 4 26 to 29 the parable of the field you know empty field seeded field growing field harvest field it's just very basic but absolutely central to all life in a place like nepal because harvest is what they understand mm. in fact three quarters of the entire world will get that get that teaching and that parable because they understand the process the time that it takes but also that that process is not about additional it's about multiplication and and and, and in short you, you think of a, a sunflower that one seed makes one sunflower but one sunflower yields 4000 seeds yeah so you think to yourself that's multiplication if yeah. you put one seed in and you're going to multiply what does that look like in church planting and that's where we began to um model think journey with and come up with you know um painfully but also kind of over a process of time none of this is quite simple and we just started to write and we did this and it all worked it's an unfolding uh, but eventually we 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 came up with a a methodology that we honed and shaped uh, and and then launched and and that's that that was the beginning of 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 the church planting kind of um mechanism that we used uh, in Nepal and in other places as well so having kind of shaped and formed that four fields approach 
what difference did that make going forward? Like you you planted four churches through an additional model. Um, what what did what difference did that shift make in terms of planting new churches, raising new leaders? Well, well that that what, what what the difference was? It wasn't me and then just doing it and giving like you know we haven't got enough time in the day. We're oh we have to go here, we have to go there. We're, it's it's utilizing the capacity that you have better. It's being you know looking at scripture and realizing that most of the parables that Jesus talks about are about multiplication. So there's there's, there's nothing secret here that we discovered. It's all it's all very very basically there in the in the Bible. It's not it's not difficult, and and so we we get we gathered. In short, there's a huge story behind all that. Well, we haven't got time, but, but we gathered together 12 guys from 12 different districts, um, you know, who had a heart, you know, to see to see God's kingdom come and to, to see churches planted. Uh, and so we 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 journeyed with them for a year. We did the training over it, we did over the over a year. And how that worked was we did one week of practical teaching and training and equipping and resourcing, and then they would have three months of application. Then they would come back and then we would do the next field. So the field one is find an empty field. We do three months. Field two, you know, how do we sow the seed in the field? You know, three months, then apply it. Then how do we grow the seed? Discipleship, how do we do that? Harvest field, how do, you know, what, how, how do you be plan to church that multiplies? In other words, you know, how do you do it? So, so we did these four fields and we took it over a year because that's how long it takes to harvest. So rather than just saying you can do this in a week, that's not how harvest works. It's meant to take a year because that's the process. And anything that, you know, you plan, you can't just suddenly in the West, you go like this and this clicking fingers at God saying now, 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 I kind of go, ooh. You have to be really careful about clicking your finger at God and telling him now, you know, there's a process sometimes. And so so we just use the process that was biblical. uh, And we found that the guys... We would teach about, you know, finding an empty field, what all of that was. There's a whole week's training, so you can't go into the details. But then they applied it, and that was the key. They didn't hear it. They heard it and did it. Yeah. And they came back and said, we've done it. In fact, a number of them have gone to the next stage without even being told because it just naturally happened. Oh, you know, <laughs> you've gone way beyond already. And so in that first year, out of the 12 guys, 12 churches were planted. Wow. And we kind of sat back and went, hold on here. If those 12 guys now who raise up their own Timothy's key scriptures being 2 Timothy 2, 2, you know, you know, what I've given you, Timothy, press on to others, reliable, reliable men, yeah. not just men, but reliable. So, mm. so if these 12 guys find some Timothy's, they can now do this again. So they planted one church, but the, Goal was never to plant a church. The goal was movement. The goal is always moving. You can't just, if you plant a church and then just stagnate, that's not movement. So what is a movement? How do you keep it moving? What are the, what are the, what, what, what are the, what are the dynamics? What are the essential qualities? And so we began to do a lot of study and thinking about these kind of thought processes. And so these 12 guys then did that, but then they were commissioned from day one, not to plant a church, but to raise others. So maybe four or five other Timothys who would also find an empty field. So from that 12, you'd have, you'd have 20, 30 with regards to disciples uh, or Timothys who would then, then from that one church, plant another church where there was no church. You can't plant a church in a village where there was a church because that's not what we're trying to do. We're planting we're planting in field, empty fields. It has to be an empty field. 
where there is no witness, where there is no church. So one church, one trained leader, every village. That's what we were looking for. That's the vision. So that first batch uh, was great. But then that also freed us to find another 12 guys. So we then could start the next year with another 12 guys, whilst the first batches were then training what we trained them to do it. So they said, so, so then the next batch will come year two. And then we'd have another 12 churches. But after year two, the first batch, who not only got 12 churches, had already gone to 20 churches. So 20 churches from the first batch, 12 from the second, and then they were doing the same. And then we were finding our third batch. Then we were finding our fourth batch. And then we're finding our fifth batch. But all the time, batch number one is now training. So one church that's planted another church, that's planted another church, that's planted another church. So we call that then when we talk about mapping, these are generational churches. So, so for first generation is one that's being planted from another, second, third, fourth, fifth. So that you then suddenly you've got this spiral of, of networks and it became clear after two or three years that something quite, um, quite amazing was happening with regards to the ordinary guys. These weren't special guys. These were, some of them were illiterate. The training was not difficult. The training was intentionally simple because that's how movements move it's the simplicity and then it's through the obedience of individuals i think it's fascinating that we have certain ideas in the uk about what it takes to plant a church the level of education that you need or you know your knowledge level as and even just thinking about discipleship as knowledge based is a little bit wonky isn't it but that's kind of what we do um so what in your experience in doing what you've done in the power what what are the core things you need to plant a church we would have certain things that we would say you need to have this 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 in place to do that when you're sending these guys out what do they need well it's very because we asked them the question uh, the, the, that's what that's the question at the beginning of the training what do you think we need so they would always say we need a foreigner <laughs> we need money okay we need a building yeah and then we asked them to write out that we need a guitar. <laughs> we need we need some hymn books. And yeah. these are not bad. These mm. are not bad. So we would do a whole session on what is needed. What do you think what do you think is needed to plant a church? And through which then we would at the end of that session, we would put a big cross through it. Not because they were wrong, but we in, in relation to the specifics of what's needed to plant a church, they were not needed. Because mm. Jesus didn't use any of those things. Yeah. So what what and then you think all all that's needed is 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 a man who finds an empty field, uh, but then he's equipped, you know. And and the the essential things are, and again we haven't got time to go into all the details. Is is first and foremost a man who is committed to the task. He has to he has to understand that he's in this, and it's going to be it's good. It's, it's a year. Yeah. And we would be very we would be we would filter people. We would have you know maybe. 30, 40 people come to the initial training of which we were filter out. Oh, I don't have time to do this. Oh, I, oh is there any money involved? Are you going to pay us? No, we're not going to do that. So we would we would filter people all the way down to those who were faithful, mm. which we don't like doing in the West because we think small is, ooh, we're failing. But actually, Jesus did everything. You know, church grows bigger when the church grows smaller in the context of when you've got some consolidated uh, undiluted men and women who just have absolutely in their core being the call of god that's i i've got to do this we we made sure we try always to make sure that that's the kind of people that you have who have a heart and passion who are gonna 
you know, uh, finish what they start. Biblical. Before you start this journey, understand it's going to cost you. And we would say to them, and we would actually get them to sign an MOU. Here's our expectation of you. And here's your expectation of us. This is what we're going to do. And if I can turn up once a year or three times, four times a year and train you, you you're going to come. And if you miss a training, that's it. That's the end of it. Because if they're going to train this to others, they've got to know that the level's got to stay the same. Mm-hmm. And they've got to, it could, if, if people come and go as they please, it's not going to work. So it yeah. was a real sense of commitment and unity of heart, mind, and soul. That was really important and the call of God to do what they're doing. It didn't mean to say that they were skilled to do it, but it means to say that they had the sense and heart to do it. Mm-hmm. Our job was to put into their hands just a simple tool. It's not the tool. It's one of many tools. It's not something that's better than anything else. In fact, it's really basic. Uh, and those basic was, you know, find an empty field. Yeah. Okay. And then what do you do? How 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 are you going to sow the gospel? How wh- What is a seed? If you put one seed in, then that's not multiplication. You've got to learn how do you scatter seed? So you're, you're sharing what how, effective ways to share your testimony, effective ways to communicate truths. Really simple. Romans Road, you know. You yeah. we, we oh yeah heard that don't it? But no one uses it here. Yeah. You know, the difference is these guys would be given a tool, and I would go out with them, and we would go on the streets on the training to actually say, let's share this and see if it works. Yeah. And they would share their faith, and they'd see someone maybe get saved or be interested, and they would be enthused by thinking, gosh, this works. Then they're in their empty field, they would they would just simply put into practice the very things that we'd ask them to do, just going through the process of. Field one, field two, field three. And they could see the sequence. They knew where this was going. Because once you then sow the seed and someone becomes a Christian, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to have to help them. How are you going to read? How are you going to show them to read the Bible? Well, once they're reading the Bible, what does it mean to form a church? What is a church? What do we mean by church? What are the essential ingredients? This is interesting. What are the essential ingredients of a church? Mm. So we'd look at the scripture. Most of that would be coming out of uh, Acts 2 uh, and, and 42, 47, with regards to what did they devote themselves to? Yeah. So And, and keeping it really, really simple. So we, we, we that, that, and that's essentially, and then multiply. You must always have, from day one, not your eyes on the field that you're in, but you're always looking for the next field. Mm-hmm. And if that's in their DNA, it's not, you know, I build a big church. No, we want, yeah, if, it's great if they build a big, but if they're building just a church, they're, 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 we're not, they're not movement makers. They're a, they're a guy planting a church. Yeah. And that's great. We're going to, that's, we're not going to be critical. That's great. But then you're looking then for movement makers. And that's when we have uh, an understanding of levels. And so we'd have a level one church planter, level two, level three, level four, level five. And these are all the things that we we began to learn as we journeyed. Those who had the capacity and the propensity to look beyond just the local and see something beyond it. And then those who suddenly saw national and saw how we could start movements. He's suddenly going, these have become what we would call master trainers. Those who saw not just what they could do, but the potential of others. And that's a journey. And so, but we've got four, three or four of those master trainers who now know more about church planting on that batch one that we did know more about church planting than I'll ever know because they've now planted churches that have planted churches. And that's what you want as a, as a teacher that your student is way, way, way beyond. In fact, just last month, I was in Nepal to go back for refresher training from them. 
Wow. So the guys that I remember teaching are now saying, Steve, we don't do that anymore. We do this because it's more effective. And I'm going, that's fantastic. And I'm all ears. I want to know because you never arrive. No. And we need that, don't we? Because we, I think I've said this to you before uh, years ago, that we look at these these church planting movements that are going on in places like Nepal and we think, well, that will never happen here in the UK. Um, I mean, that statement, is it, that's a, a bit finite in itself, isn't it? But the question is always, why? Why, why not? Um, but we need to learn from those people who are, who are learning from the Holy Spirit as they're out on mission and creating movements, you know, exercising that apostolic calling uh, to to establish and, and take new ground, find those empty fields. Um, we're we're fast running out of time, and I'm getting a bit sad because I could talk about this with you for a lot longer. Um, I I want to ask you a question that I've been asking everybody uh, who comes on the podcast, and usually the answer is is has already been said in what's gone in the conversation. I think that's going to be true today as well. But, um, what would you say to our listeners, wherever they are, maybe they're in the UK, they could be anywhere in the world, I suppose. What would you say to them to encourage them uh, to follow Jesus where they are, to get involved in the mission of God where they are? How would you encourage them? Well, the reality is we, we most of us will know that we, you know, the mission field is 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 on our doorstep. We, we, we already know that. Um and, and I found that, you know, it's great that you do that overseas, but it starts in your Jerusalem. Where's your Jerusalem? Where, 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 where does it begin? It starts at home. You don't start with your enemies. That'll come. That's Samaria. You know, let's start. If, and if, 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 if we're not involved in seeking to influence or to come alongside or to journey with someone or to show someone how to pray or to, if we're not already doing those things now, what makes us think we're going to do it overseas? Because it's yeah. out of those things it's out of obedience doing those things that we already know we should be doing that god then suddenly god opens doors because if you were faithful in the small he opens doors you know in in other ways not too much to the big but i think he opens door to multiplication and things that we've never seen before in him you know and so for me the encouragement always is is um in our church we 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 have god conversation so on on a monday we just go out and we just walk on the streets and we just say hi how are you doing you know and 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 that's it and we have god conversations or not or or and so every week there's you know you're training people who go oh i don't know if i can do that but you know after six weeks it's amazing when the more you do something the better you become it it's and it just stands to reason someone someone would say i could never play the piano but I tell you what, if you said to someone, you're going to play the piano for seven hours a week for the next year, I'm telling you now, you're going to be able to play the piano. And even if you said that you don't have a propensity to play the piano, you're going to be able to play it. And when it comes to the things that God's asked us to do, and he says, and I'll be with you as you do it. And the Holy Spirit will enlighten you as you're doing it. He will say this. But I, you've, got to, you've got to take that first step. That first step is that, oh, I didn't feel... But four, fifth, seven, eight, ten, when you're doing that weekend, and it's not the case that you want to get professional at it, you're becoming someone who's honing and shaping the gifts that God's given. And we think that happens within the building. But these gifts are given so that we use them outside. Imagine having a word of knowledge for a non-Christian that you're talking to and it's right. Yeah. You're not going to want to come to church and sing a hymn. He's going to go, how did you know that? Yeah. 
And then the question is always what you get to. The question is, what are you going to say in response to that? Well, here's how you know. Here's what here's here's the God who revealed it. And 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 but to get to a place where that happens, it doesn't just happen, it's through a process of time. That's why the whole thing of, you know, you're on milk, but by now you should be on, oh yeah, I know that scripture. I don't really care if you know the scripture. It's the process in your own life that is is what this is talking about. And we're all on milk in some area of our life that needs some form of engagement to take it to the next level. And I'm not suggesting that we're all gifted to be church planted or we're all gifted to do this, that, the other, but we are all gifted. Yeah. So what are we doing with the gift and the talent and the skill that God has given to you? Because the gifts of God are irrevocable. So what am I doing with them? So the encouragement is open wide your mouth and he'll fill it. Step forward. You know, we walk by faith. You know, there's an element of unless unless we try, then um, then we're not we're never know, we're never going to know whether we're going to fail or succeed. But inaction for the church in this season cannot be an option for us. And if it is, we're probably finished. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's so helpful. Steve, thank you so much. It's been a joy to chat to you this morning. Really appreciate your time and your experience and your stories. Um, bless you. Oh, mate, a joy. Fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity just to say a few fumbling words. What an inspiring journey Steve and his family went on. Every time I talk to Steve or I hear him speak about Four Fields, I come away encouraged and excited about what could be done in the name of Jesus if we set aside some of our own ideas or traditions and pursued the simple but powerful call to go and make disciples. Steve spoke about his journey of church planting at our missionary conference back in May and the recording of that talk will be coming onto the podcast in a few weeks time. Uh, After we're done with series one we're going to take a break and bring to you some bonus content from that conference so look forward to that uh, in just a few weeks time. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on a future episode or a comment about something you've heard on the podcast make sure to leave us a comment on our social media or you can email me at jack.sket at elam.org.uk If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on and leave us a rating because that will really help us to be discovered by more people. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week for another brand new episode.